This morning, we're going to continue talking about what's available to us in Christ, in particular, some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. Through the last, I guess it's been a couple months now, we've been talking about the fact that in Christ, there's a lot that's been made available to us. But if we don't know what's available to us, we won't benefit from it. Um, we, last week, we started looking, or a couple weeks ago, we started looking at the Holy Spirit. Last week, we started looking at the gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. So if you've taken notes, write that down. Um, you can go ahead and throw it on the screen. I'm not actually going to read through this passage, but in this passage, it lists off, I'm going to break it down into three categories, the revelation gifts, which would be the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits, the power gifts, the gift of faith, working of miracles, and the gifts of healing, and the utterance or inspirational gifts, prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. In verse 7 of this um, passage, where it's listing these all off, it says, each of the manifestations is given for um, the common good. It says that these are not to just elevate the person with the gift and go check me out, I'm the coolest. These are to benefit those around us. It is so that God's will can overflow and be done around us. Last week, we started talking about prophecy. We learned that prophecy, according to 1 Corinthians 14.3, is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort. Or to confirm, and to edify someone. Uh, speaking in tongues. Um, we're gonna, I talked a bit about it a couple weeks ago as a gift for an individual for praying themselves. We learned how it charges us, how um, it makes us constantly aware of his inward dwelling presence, how it allows us to pray for things that we don't know or understand, and the list goes on and on and on, and it was an entire sermon, and I can't preach the whole sermon now, otherwise I never get to today's notes. If you have questions about the Holy Spirit, or you have questions about any of the gifts that I cover, because I can't do an in-depth study on everything, this is a really great book that I stole a lot from. So if you're wondering where I got some of the different ideas, or if I quote Kenneth Hagin, it came from this book. Um, the Holy Spirit and His Gifts by Kenneth Hagin. Great book. It's available in the bookstore, or at least it used to be. Um, it was $15.95 in our bookstore when I grabbed this one. Um, but if you're looking and you go, hey, I want to know more about the gifts. I want to know more about the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, this is a great, great resource. Um, with that said... Kenneth Hagin, who I told you I'd steal some of his stuff, it was actually on page 149, uh, he calls tongues, he says, diverse kinds of tongues is, a supernatural, is um, a supernatural utterance by the Holy Spirit in a language never learned by the speaker, nor understood by the speaker, nor necessarily always understood by the hearer. Um, you go, well, why would I want to speak in another tongue? We covered lots and lots of different reasons, but in public it has a little bit of a different purpose than it does in your personal prayers, in your personal prayer life. Um, the, the Bible talks and it says that not all are called um, apostles, teachers, prophets, and then he says not all are called to speak um, in other tongues, but what it's speaking about is speaking it tongues in service, in church, in, in a way to try to build up other people. Because if you just walk up to someone and speak a language that they don't understand, they normally don't go, ooh, I just feel better. Thank you. Thank you. What did you say? I have no idea. But I just feel inspired. Like, this doesn't 
work that way. Now, when we pray in tongues, it charges our batteries inside. But the Bible talks about that there's a place for it in the church today. But in our personal life, tongues, um, Kenneth Hagin actually calls tongues the door into the supernatural. And I talked to someone before service, and they were asking someone about the gifts and going, well, wh- what about which one's mine? How do I know which one's mine? Said, There's lots of tests you can take um, that, that kind of help. But I said one of the, the greatest things isn't to worry about which one's mine, to spend time seeking God, praying in tongues, because it's kind of a doorway into the supernatural, and going, God, here I am, use me. God, let me be open. Let me have an open, open ears, a soft heart, and be here I am, use me. And if you need someone right now to prophesy, use me to prophesy. If you need someone to be healed, use me with a gift of healing. God, whatever gift is needed, God, here I am, use me. Uh, but when we, when we found in the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they begin to speak in tongues, two, uh, Acts 2, 4. When people begin to hear it, people begin to gather, and there was this surprise. They're like, hey, I hear them speaking in my language. Because they said they had people that were here for a feast from all over that spoke different languages going, I hear them speaking my native language. How is this so, seeing as they are all Galileans? And they begin to ask and they begin to question, going, well, why? How is this possible? And it says that they heard them um, glorifying God as they were speaking in tongues. Um, Jesus, in Mark 16, he says that these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. And it has lots and lots of personal benefits, but we'll already covered those a few weeks ago. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13, it says that the, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. When we're in a public setting, um, speaking in tongues, speaking out from God in an unknown language becomes beneficial when someone interprets. You guys understand money. Anyone understand Anyone never heard of money? Okay, great. All of you guys have heard of money and one person's a liar. Um, so, we, we we're familiar with, with money. Sorry, just picking on them. But nickels and dimes. Two nickels equal what? One dime. They're both worth 10 cents. Which is more valuable, the two nickels or the dime? They're the same. You... They're, they're, they, they're both worth 10 cents. It goes through saying that speaking in prophecy, it says, is greater because it's um, complete in and of itself. But it says that speaking in tongues, if you speak in tongues, pray that you may interpret. Because tongues and interpretation give someone a direct word from God. It creates... Um, a supernatural utterance, and then makes it known. Because a supernatural utterance becomes beneficial when we know what it is. Um, I've had, I was thinking about this as I was putting my notes together about the Holy Spirit. Like, how have I, I think I've only been used to, to interpret tongues once. I was out for a walk, I was out for a walk and pray, 
I was walking down Coconut, and it's the name of the street. And so I'm walking down, and I'm praying, and, and I ran out of things to pray for. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm praying, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm God, I, I thank you that you're going to do this in my, my life, and in my family, and in my extended family, and my in-laws, and you're praying for them, and you're like, I'm praying for the 180, and I'm praying for the leaders, I'm praying for the ground floor, and then I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm going to pray for next, I'm, I'm just going to pray in tongues, so I'm walking, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden, I switched from praying tongues into English, and I didn't even notice that I switched. It was all of a sudden, I'm just like praying in tongues, and I've been praying for you guys, and all of a sudden, I'm like, and God, thank you, and I listed off a friend of mine, I was naming Bob, I'm like, God, I thank you for Bob, that you protect his daughters, and you protect them from sexual abuse, and I'm like, what? Where on earth did that come from? Like, it just, like, came out. Like, I'm sitting here thinking about, like, I've been praying for the ground floor, been praying for the 180, been praying for my family, and all of a sudden, I pray in tongues, and all of a sudden, I slip into English on accident when I was praying in tongues, and it goes into, God, protect this guy's daughters from sexual, and I'm like, wait a second. Was that something I was thinking about? Uh-uh. Was there something that I came across that would all of a sudden make that me think about that? No. So I was praying in tongues, and all of a sudden, English came out directly following, I think that's what God had me praying for. So I got home, and I grabbed my phone, and I called up Bob. I'm like, Bob, how you doing? He's like, oh, I'm doing good. He said, a weird thing has happened to me. He's like, yeah, what's up? I was out praying in tongues, switched into English, and I was praying for your daughters that they would be protected against sexual abuse. Is there anything going on? He's like, Whoa, well, not right now, but we've got some different stuff coming up and we're going to be in different types of contact with some people. We are going to set up some extra safeguards because that's weird. That this would just randomly come up, that you would be praying in tongues and all of a sudden pop out with praying for someone that you weren't thinking about, praying for something very specific that... You have no knowledge of being in need. You have no other reason for this to randomly be on your mind. He goes, we'll set up some safeguards to make sure that the girls are protected. So it's cool to know that you're like, all right, hey, I, I didn't mean, like, I don't, this isn't the gift I operate in all the time, but say, God, here I am, use me. I begin to pray. I begin to ask God. I begin to be open and go, God, what do you want me to pray for? And I just begin to speak in tongues. And God was able to use me to help set up protection, both in the natural and the supernatural. I was able to pray for them and, and let God begin to work through my prayers. I was also then given the interpretation so that he could then set up safeguards. You're like, sweet. So does that work? Um, one of the, the next gifts, I wanted to hit those, but the gift, I want to get into the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. As is listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. Um, and at first glance, you're like, well, what's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? And actually, I was look, reading through the list, and I started my study, and I'm like, what is the difference? And so I went to the book that I told you guys is a great book. I'm like, all right, can you define what is the difference? How do you separate wisdom from knowledge? And he, he worded it really simple. So I'll steal some of his, his notes. He said the difference between the word of knowledge and wisdom is the tense. We refer to things past or present as the word of knowledge and future as the word of wisdom. A lot of times throughout scripture, you'll find that God would give someone insight 
that God would give them direction about things that hadn't happened yet. Um, You'll find prophets in the Old Testament that would come up and say, hey, you need to do this, you need to repent because this is going to happen. You find a lot of times when God gives a word of wisdom, it is conditional. He gives uh, insight about the future, but not just to be like, hey, sucks to be you, but so that it can be affected or changed. Um, So whether it's, hey, don't um, drive that direction because the bridge is out. Um, You find Jonah. Anyone familiar with Jonah? Anyone ever heard of Jonah? Anyone never heard of Jonah? All right, we'll talk about Jonah soon because I've got a message from Jonah that I want to do. But when he spoke to Jonah, Jonah gets this word that Nineveh is wicked and that Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And he's like, great, I hate Nineveh. So he doesn't want to give them the word. Why does he not want to give them the word? Because he understands that the word, you're going to be destroyed because of your wickedness, is conditional. You're being destroyed for the wickedness. So what happens if you repent? You're no longer the wicked. So he's like, I don't want to tell them because they might repent and God might forgive them. And so he runs away, and long story short, um, he ends up back in Nineveh giving them the word, hey, in 40 days you guys are going to be destroyed for your wickedness. The king hears it. He tells the whole country to fast, wear sackcloth and ashes, to repent from their sins and to change. And as they do this, God forgives them and relents from sending the calamity. And Jonah's actually angry. And Jonah's like, this is why I ran away. I knew you'd forgive them. And God's like, yep. And that's a, there's more to the fun story, but you can read the book of Jonah. It's not that long. But there was this, this, this element that God gave this word of what was going to happen so that they could take appropriate steering and take appropriate action. When I was in college, I got a word of wisdom in between my first two years, and God said, go back, stretch and grow, or you'll snap when you get home. Like, thanks, God. That was not the word I was looking for. Um, feel so comforted. Like, what does that even mean? But, but it, it helped me to steer when I got back to college. Because when I went back to college, I discovered that if you sat on the, when we were in the, the auditorium, that, our larger auditorium that we sat in as a college, if you sat on the one side, you knew you weren't going to learn anything. Like, you get over there, and if you haven't learned this lesson yet, it'll be true in high school, it'll be true in college. You'll have people that can learn in any class. You'll have people who don't learn in any class. Um, And you get to pick which one you'll be. And a lot of that is affected by whom you choose to be with, whom you choose to sit with. There was people I would hang out with outside of college I would not sit with in college. Because I sat over here and like one guy's got his computer up like he's taking notes and he's playing solitary. And somebody else has got... Like something like they're taking notes and they're reading a book. Someone else is playing, um, not catchphrase, where they draw a picture and you got to like um, guess the, what the picture is, the phrase. I'm like, what? Uh, so I, I, I'm sitting over there one time like this is, I really don't like this teacher, but I know that I'm not going to learn anything sitting over here. I looked over at a, oh, what was her name? I think it was Malin. Was her name? Uh, Swedish girl. And she was in this class and she just like broke down in tears because it was touching her so much. And I'm like, I despise this class. For the rest of this term, 
I will sit next to her in this class. Because my friends also despise this class. If I sit next to them, you know what I'm going to learn? That he can't draw for anything. And this is what, you know, how he draws beat a bush. And I'm beating around the bush and whatever. Like, I'm going to learn his jokes. If I sit next to her, I can't tune the teacher out. It'd be too rude because she's being so touched. So for the next however many months I had in that term, I sat next to her every time in that class. And about the time I learned that, I started sitting in the front. I started changing who I sat with, going, all right, I'll hang out with people wherever, whoever, later. But right now, I'm going to find somebody who wants to learn because I know I have to stretch and grow. Because I don't know what's coming next, but God told me I have to stretch and grow or I'll snap. This is conditional. This is a word of wisdom so that I can change my behavior now in order to receive what God has for me. Uh, My wife had a word of wisdom years ago. She had a weird, anyone ever have a weird dream? Okay, I always have weird dreams. I don't know if I've ever had a normal dream. They're all weird. Um, like you walk into your bedroom and out to the ground floor and then you run out through the mall and then into the wood. You know, what, where are you? It's just, it, everything connects and disconnects and everything shoots and explodes and it's fun. But it's the way that my mind dreams. So she had a dream and in this dream, she like comes through this hallway out into this open kitchen. The kitchen's here, dining room, like table thing is here open living room here, computer there. There's like, someone at the table, someone standing in the living room, a um, couple at the counter, and then a guy at the computer. And in the dream, the couple standing here, she looks over at the girl, and the girl has these really long green fingers, which is kind of weird. And then she looks over, and there's this girl over there, and the, the guy sitting at the computer was going to be her husband but he was facing the computer. I don't know if you've ever had one of those dreams where you're like, you find the person you're going to marry in it, and you wake up and you're like, I can't see their face! Why couldn't I see their face? Maybe it was just me. I remember, like, like, I, like I wanted to know who it was supposed to be. So she woke up and she's like, I couldn't see his face! And she was telling her mom, like, yeah, this is weird dream. It was this lady with these weird, long, green fingers, and my husband was there, but he wouldn't turn around! And, uh, like, so she had this dream, and Years go by, and she moved to Michigan, and she was actually uh, hanging out. She came over to my parents' house. We were all hanging out. And she came out of the bathroom, out of the little hallway, into the open kitchen with the table over here, the large open living room right here. And I think my mom was over by the table. Her friend Shauna was standing in the living room. I was at the computer working away, and my brother and sister-in-law were at the counter. My, they were just at a rock climbing gym, and my brother fell, and something was wrong with the harness, and it wasn't catching. And so to keep him from falling, my sister-in-law grabbed onto the rope and the rope just burned through her hand. So it burned her hand. So when they got home to treat the burn, my mom had an aloe vera plant. They cut the leaves off the aloe vera plant, split them down the middle and put them over her fingers so that the aloe would directly apply to her fingers. So she had long pointy green aloe vera leaves on her fingers. So my wife didn't tell me this until years later, but so then she calls home, like she calls her mom when she gets out of there going, they're aloe vera plants, mom, they're aloe vera. Like, what's aloe vera? The green fingers, it's aloe vera, it's aloe vera. What? Um, you go, well, why? Well, at that point, we both needed to do some growing. We weren't ready to get married. So as, as we were getting to know each other, I decided, all right, 
do I, do I date her? Do I pursue her to marriage? Do I do this? I, I, God wouldn't say no, but he wouldn't give me a go-ahead. So I'm like, all right, no, I'm not going to do this. And so I, I stepped back and said, all right, uh, I don't want to date right now. And she just took that as a really nice way of saying, get, get lost. And so, um, so she just kind of stepped back and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to stalk her. I'm just going to kind of give her some distance and let um, things slow down because we were starting to head um, into a relationship and I decided it wasn't a good idea at the time. And all of a sudden, there was this dog that kept following her. I mean, this guy who kept following her everywhere she went. And uh, she, sorry, have you ever heard the expression that someone like follows him like a little puppy dog? Um, that was the case there. I just looked and you're like, yeah, everywhere she'd go, this, this, this guy following, all right? So apparently she moved on. I'm like, all right, so well, life goes on. Um, apparently, she's not too upset about things. And I, I just kind of stepped further back and was like, all right, if she's going to date um, Joe Schmo here, then good for her. I will let her go. If she's going to date him, she's not that healthy anyways. So um, he was not a good thing for her at the time. Um, but as she started dating him and eventually ended up getting engaged to him, but would refuse to set a wedding date. Now, um, guys, girls, this applies to both, in particular, especially for the girls. Girls, pay attention. If you don't want to marry them, don't say yes. If they proposed really cool, but you don't want to marry them, say no. Um, don't be afraid of ruining the moment. Marriage can be amazing. Marry the right one. So if you don't want to marry them, don't say yes. And this goes for boys and girls. If you'd rather marry someone else, don't say yes and don't propose. Because I've talked to some people. They're like, well, I'd rather have her, but I don't think I can get her. Then don't date her. Like, if she's not what you want... If he's not what you want, don't date, don't marry them. Okay, but back to our story at hand. So, why wouldn't she set a date for the wedding? Because she didn't want the wedding to take place. Why didn't she want the wedding to take place? Because she knew it was the wrong one. But there was insecurities and there was um, areas in her heart that needed to grow and so she dated someone to find the, the acceptance and different things that she was looking for. I got thinking about it and I was so thankful for the dream. I wish she'd have just, like, when he showed up, she'd have just looked at him and said, nope, I had a dream, you're not it, go away. Now, that would have been great. But at least she was unable to go through with it because she knew better. And so eventually she broke it off. And then she got healing inside, became whole, and later we dated and we got married and it's been great. But this was a word of wisdom that helped set things up in the future. Now, if she would have married him, the dream, the wisdom, I would have never been her husband. But the word of wisdom is con often is conditional as God reveals um, in a way that can direct our life. A word of knowledge. Um, this, Jesus did this a lot. I don't know if you ever noticed this when you're reading through the New Testament, but it always like tripped me out because Jesus would be talking to somebody, he'd be doing something, and all of a sudden he would say, and Jesus, knowing their thoughts, in fact, there's an example of it in Luke chapter 6, verse 8, but Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, and you're like, and he goes on and does stuff. Constantly, he would be like, and he knew what they were thinking. And you're like, how do you know what you were thinking? Is he psychic? Hmm. No, this is 
a lot of times a word of knowledge is supernatural um, information that comes to you supernaturally to complete God's plan and purpose in or through you. So God would give, the Holy Spirit would, would give wisdom about what was going on that he could not know on his own. My wife had this gift while she was younger, unaware of what it was, and it freaked her out. She went uh, out to eat with uh, a friend and his friend's friend that she had never met. And she gets there, and she, like, talks, and she she leaves, and she's like, ah, talking to her friend. She's like, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for her. I feel like she's been through this, 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 and this. He just looks at her and is like, how do you know that? I don't know. I just, that's just what I feel like i got to pray for. So that's what I feel like. He's like, she doesn't tell anybody that she's been through that. How did you? God just told me. And it was a word of knowledge about what someone was going through so that she could extend God's love, so that she could pray for them, so that God's will could be done in the situation around her. My brother was telling me a story um, a while back. He was getting sick, and his wife started getting sick, and the family started getting sick. Like, when I say sick, I mean, like, coughing up blood. Which is kind of bad. If you're coughing up blood, it's bad. Um, you should probably see a doctor. But he, he was beginning to do this. He's like, well, we're praying against this thing. We're praying, and we're rebuking it, and we're binding it, and we're praying, you know, that healing in Jesus' name, and we're praying by your stripes we're healed, and we're, we're praying all these things, but nothing seems to be changing. And he's praying, he's like, God, what is going on? And he goes to sleep, and he said he just, he woke up, I got to clean the humidifier. I'm like, what? Go back, he's like, what? I, I got to clean the humidifier. Why? I don't know. I got to clean the humidifier. And God gave him a word of knowledge. And he goes, and he's afterwards, he gets up, and he goes to clean the humidifier, and he's like, I don't know why, but whatever. Takes the thing apart, and in, the inside of it was filled with black mold. I don't know if you know what a humidifier is, but a humidifier sprays... Um, moisture into the air. But if it sprang moisture into the air via a bunch of black mold, it's spraying black mold spores into the air. And the thing that was making them sick was the mold. So he, he, he had the word to, to clean it. Once he discovered that that was the problem, he just threw the whole thing away. He said, Throw that away. I'll go buy a new one. And they all got better. God gave him a word of knowledge about the situation, about what was actually going on and what was actually causing the problem. God wants to be involved in our lives today. Prophecy is often the conduit that a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom um, comes across. I again want to give you guys a chance to have God use you today, to ask God for a word to speak, because I believe that God is here. I believe that God wants to use you. And I believe that this is the easiest spot to step out. And you go, God, speak through me. So we're going to create an opportunity in the service. But before we do, um, we're going to play musical chairs. Because when you're sitting next to somebody that you know, it's awkward. When you're like, I'm trying to hear a word of God for you and you know so much about them, you're trying not to tailor it because it's easy to sit here and go, I have a word from God for you. Break up with your boyfriend. He's an idiot. Like, I've been wanting to say that for months. And like, <laughs> um, 
And you're like, oh, look, I got my chance. I can blame God. I don't want you just doing something and blaming God for what you know about the situation. But um, at the same time, if you say something and it's awkward and you get a word and you're like, I don't know if that's right. It can be awkward with someone you know. But if it's someone you don't know, even if you're wrong, it doesn't matter. You didn't know them anyways. So what we're going to do is everyone going to stand up.